You're listening to the weekly Joel Klatt segment podcast. Listen to it live every Wednesday between 8 and 8.30 a.m. during the football season. Presented exclusively by Audi Flatirons in Broomfield. Exceeding your experience from the first mile to the last. Joel Klatt joins us. Good morning, Joel. Say hello to Brandon Stoker. How you doing, Joel? Brandon, what's going on, man? Yeah, sorry. Ben and I were chopping it up. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. Yes. All right, so uh, where are you at with um, the names you're hearing when it comes to the uh, next possible head coach of the Denver Broncos? Anybody jump out at you? Well, not really, because I think it always, to me, at least matters more about who the quarterback's going to be. Um, so so we're going to continue to just go through coaches the Broncos until we settle on a quarterback that can potentially get to the playoffs. And it's going to be very difficult in this division. Look at what Herbert's been able to do. Look at what Carr's been able to do, leading them to the playoffs this year. That was a crazy game on Sunday night. And then obviously Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, this is going to be difficult. And, and I don't know how attractive it is from a coaching perspective until they know exactly what's going to happen at that position. I, you, I'm I'm an elitist from a quarterback perspective. I've made no bones about that over the years. They've got to figure that out. And you know, I I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. But man, it just feels like wouldn't you do anything to get Aaron Rodgers even late in his career? Oh, of course. But are you such an elitist that you feel that your next head coach has to be an offensive-minded head coach? No, I. It, to me, it doesn't matter. I've always said that you need to go hire the best possible coach. And that's any level, by the way. I think that you get into trouble when it's always like, well, we had this guy and he failed. So now we have to swing the pendulum to the opposite side, whether that's the side of the football offense, defense, whether that's we need a young guy or we need somebody with head coaching experience now. Like, I think that you pigeonhole yourself – Every time that you're in this position, it seems to be far too often now for the Denver Broncos over the last few years, but every time you're in this position, you should always be saying, I want the best possible candidate. Don't don't put yourself into a corner and create all these attributes that you're looking for just because of the last guy that failed. Joel, looking at these, you're talking about quarterbacks. Looking at these college quarterbacks, I know you call a lot of their games. Uh, is there one or two that stick out to you that you think might be a good fit here in Denver? You know, we've talked a little bit about this. It's not a great quarterback class. It's probably not even considered a good quarterback class. In fact, uh, I've put out my my like best 10 prospects, and in the best 10 prospects in the draft, there's not a quarterback, and there's probably not a quarterback until you get down to about 1820. Um, and that's just, you know, I think probably a reach. If you're looking at the best guys, I've got Matt Corral from Ole Miss up there. I've got Kenny Pickett uh, from Pitt, Sam Howell from North Carolina. Uh, a guy like Malik Willis from Liberty is a guy that m- m- might take a flyer. Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. But these are not names that, that are going to jump out. Um, I think that it's going to take a little bit of a projection and some development for any one of these guys to come in and have a lot of success in the National Football League doesn't mean that they won't. It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't jump off the tape like you're watching a Trevor Lawrence right. or some of these guys that we've seen over the last couple of years. When we see all these guys who are getting interviews or interview requests that um, 
our our quarterback coaches, our our coordinators, even though they work with a, a head coach who is the primary play caller, everyone's looking for the next big thing. Everyone's looking for the next Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan. For you, Joel, what what would you be looking for in these so-called hotshot offensive uh, young candidates? What would you be looking for? What what would set one apart from the other? Well, that's a great question. It's tough not not calling the games because I haven't sat in the room with a lot of these guys. Um, but but I would tell you that the the number one attribute I look for in a coach when I sit down at the college level, or if I was hiring a guy, or if I was doing it at the NFL level, is authenticity. And 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 generally, everybody at this level has a has a deep knowledge. And, and quality of knowledge of X's and O's, generally speaking. Now, if you are talking about schematics, Mike, I want somebody that can be creative before the snap because someone that's creative before the snap is generally getting into a position to succeed or putting people into a position to succeed. So do they understand the movement and the formation game in order to get the matchup necessary to succeed? So I, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at play sequencing as a play caller. Um, we've talked a lot about this over the years, but you've got to build yourself to success. You know, things have to play off of each other. Formations have to play off of each other. If you're constantly just calling plays, then eventually you're going to lead yourself into what I would consider to be um, tendencies that, that are going to hurt you. And, and so w- when you're sequencing and using formations and using movement and, and when you're getting the matchups necessary, but you're doing it in, in a sequenced manner, that's building on itself. Okay. You're building yourself into success. I think that that's important. Um, and, and that's obviously something you can evaluate from an X's and O's, but back to the authenticity, authenticity to me is the currency that a coach has. Right. Success, obviously, is currency that he can use in the locker room, but it's more about being authentic. You've got to step in front of the team every single day and talk to them. And if you're phony in any way, they're going to see right through you. Brandon knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm sure he's played for guys that were phony and guys that were authentic. And the guys that were authentic have an amazing amount of currency when it comes to the team and what they're asking the team to commit to. Love it. And Joel Klatt joining us here. Joel, uh, last one for me. What did you make of the national championship game? And um, h- how about that performance from uh, uh, Bennett the fourth? I mean, Stetson uh, Bennett the fourth to Bennett you. Stetson Bennett the fourth. I mean, you know, having that fumble and then the way that he responded in that moment. What did you make of that game? Well, yeah. So early in the game, I'm, I'm watching the game early, and I'm immediately like, they're going to need to replace the quarterback. He goes out there for the first series, and he looks – you know, more Bad. nervous than a true freshman in his first start. I was like, this is not going to go well. Um, and, and he just settled in. So kudos to him. I, I thought that, that was fantastic. And I was a doubter. I was like, man, does Georgia really think that they're going to roll in and just beat Alabama with with a guy that feels like should be named after a cologne? You know, it's like, <laughs> that's him. you know, it's like the, the sweet smell of success. And and they were able to do so. Now, having said that, you know, Georgia did not execute very well down the stretch. They did a lot of things that should have led to them losing. 
Um, and I'll explain that in a moment. And they didn't because Alabama also did not execute at the wide receiver position. It was a case study in poor execution at the wide receiver position from Alabama. And so the fact that they lost Jamison Williams, who was on his way to a huge night, I believe he had four catches, something like 64 yards when he went out. I mean, he's on pace for 120, 150, maybe 200 yards. And and it, it, it was evident to me that they, Georgia, didn't have a great plan again for Jamison Williams. Now, the fact of the matter is, is that Georgia is going to win the line of scrimmage. They're more powerful. They've got the speed. And so Alabama had to throw the football to win just like they did in the SEC championship game. And when Jamison Williams went out of the game, that was kind of taken from them. Now, let me get into the two, two areas. Like Georgia did not execute down the stretch. I was screaming at the TV about when they were snapping the football with a moving game game clock. They get the ball with seven minutes left, and they're on that last drive. Game clock is moving, and they're snapping it at 12 and 11 on the play clock. And I'm like, what is happening? One snap, they snapped it at 20. Another one, they snapped it at 22. And they actually – I went back and I timed it out. They actually left over a minute – on the game clock that shouldn't have been there for Alabama's last drive. That's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but like, that's just putrid. That's terrible. And so I'm thinking to myself, they deserve to lose this game because they didn't understand how to execute something simple like game management and clock management late in the game. And that falls right on the quarterback shoulders, by the way. So Stetson, that, that sweet, sweet aura <laughs> of success, I was screaming at late in the game, but, the problem was is that Alabama couldn't take advantage because their wide receivers did not execute. They would continually allow themselves to get stacked and the defender to stay on top of them. And then they, they did not run the, the, the proper routes a couple of different times. On one of the interceptions, you had a slot fade, and that slot fade, he didn't make any effort to get there, and the ball gets picked off. Uh, the, the pass before the last interception, Bryce Young throws an absolute dime, and it doesn't get caught because the wide receiver goes up with one hand when he should have got up with two. And then on the last interception, the clear out on the outside kind of stops and, like, starts going slow. So the corner who's covering him is able to just drop off and get the slot vertical and intercept the ball. Um, I thought Bill O'Brien was terrible. I thought that his play calling and sequencing and overall game plan was not good, in particular inside the 10-yard line. It's what cost them the game against Texas A&M and it, uh, eventually cost them again in the national championship, having to settle for those field goals. They kept getting man coverage inside the 10-yard line, and he would never use a jet motion. He wouldn't bunch and mesh and, and do the pick plays necessary to beat man coverage. He just kept thinking that his guys were going to win one-on-one matchups. Now, they were able to do so one time, but that's because the tight end, Latu, just two-hand shoved the defender to the ground and then turned around and caught the ball. But, you know, the, the lack of, of creativity and, and formation awareness from the play caller, Bill O'Brien, was, was, um, it was really bad. You mentioned Jamison Williams, the outstanding receiver for Alabama, who on uh, many, many draft boards will be the, the, or was going to be the number one wide receiver we'll see if that's still the case but is it in your mind is it as simple as this if you are expected to be a high first round pick you probably shouldn't play in a meaningless bowl game but if it is the college football playoff you go out there and you play for your team 
even if you I, are risking something? I don't think that you can simplify it like that. I think that every one of those decisions is a personal decision. If you're just looking at it from a value proposition, even a guy like Jamison Williams can make himself like millions of dollars in that national championship game. Let's say he does go off for about 200 yards and just goes off. Well, what if now all of a sudden he gets selected as the fifth pick, not the eighth pick? Well, that's real money. You know, so like if my my stock answer to this, and, and I know it's overly simplified and, it, and it's not a, a simple equation and it's not a simple discussion, but if you are oversimplifying it, my, my whole take is that if you can improve your stock, then you should think about playing because that's real money that you're leaving on the table. And if you can't, which that's few and far between, then you should probably think about sitting out. Now, there are always extenuating circumstances. There was a guy from USC who opted out um, of, of the pandemic season last year, and he was just going to be a middle-round draft pick. But the problem is is that it's not always just about your value as a player. It, it turns out he was from a family that had very little means, and his sister was having major medical issues, major medical issues. They couldn't pay for them. And he said to himself, listen, there's zero way that I can go out there and get hurt and not cash in on the fact that I'm probably going to get an opportunity in the National Football League if I don't get hurt. And so that's why he made his decision. So these decisions are made for so many different reasons, and I don't want to put them just into a box of like, well, it's all about the money and this selection and that selection. But as an overly simplified rule, if you can improve your your draft position, then you should probably think about playing. All right, uh, Joel, real quick, last question, because this uh, this speaks to your, well, two of your bigger loves uh, when it comes to the quarterbacks out there. Uh, reportedly, there is a ownership group interested in buying the Broncos that includes John Elway. There's also an ownership group interested in buying the Broncos that includes Peyton Manning. Which one would you root for? That's a great question. Um, listen, like, I was born in 1982 in Denver. My first recollection of watching football is John Elway. He's like, <laughs> I'm 40 years old. He's still like, other than my brother and my, my father, he's like my, my hero. So I'm always going to root for John Elway. <laughs> But then again, it's Peyton Manning. Like, scotchy, scotch, scotch. Right. Yeah, but Peyton Manning's a cult. Like, we borrowed him at the end. Okay. You know what I mean? And I love him for it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, you were there. You and I were there together when it happened. We were there together. You saw how excited. Exactly. Like, I I love him to death. I love him to death, but, you know, he's more of a stepson. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, clear answer. (laughs) There you go. Joel, thank you very much. We'll uh, we'll talk to you as we uh, move deeper into these playoffs. Should be fun. Thanks. You guys Thanks, are Joel. the best. Have a good one, okay? See All right. Joel Clatt, presented by Audi Flatirons, joins us each and every week. We uh, will have George Carl join us coming up in about Love 10 it. minutes. Saw George Carl Friday at Blake Street Tavern. All right. He Get came his... by and slammed Zach By's computer shut, which I respected a lot. Awesome. Yeah. That's a, that's a veteran move right that there. That is. Uh, so we'll get to him coming up in about 10 minutes. <laughs> but uh, we, we still haven't broken through on Tell Me nope. Why I'm Wrong. And time is winding down. Time is here. winding down. Right. i got to find some good ones here. You, you, you need to um, come on. I mean, it's, it's. I know. I know. There's been a couple. Listen, I'm only as good as my textures. Right. 
yeah, throw them under the bus, Vic Fangio. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's how uh, you do it. He was high. That's how oh. you do it. Hey, what can I say? You know, I, I, I start the show with the fourth best group of callers and texters. Wow. Right? I can't believe he said that, by the way, the other day. Vic, when he said, well, you know. Well, he, he was being honest. Oh, he's being honest, but a lot of, lot of things. shouldn't say that. They have things. an upper echelon. They have a, you know, the upper echelon quarterbacks, and we don't. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of coaches can. you really. You'd like for them. You'd like right. for them to tell the truth, but uh, they probably shouldn't. No, especially in that situation. Not a good look. It just wasn't a good look. It doesn't sound good. Doesn't look good in the locker room. Does it? Just uh, you shouldn't say it. All right. Um, all right. I'm gonna keep looking. I want to pick out the good ones. I want to make sure that we maximize the time we have left. We'll get to I, we'll get to George Carl, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go through all these. And I'm gonna I'm I am determined, listeners. I am determined to make sure that Stoke has to at least admit once. You know what? He ain't wrong. I was rude. I, I, I hope there's one out there. I do because this you know, will I, I want to be challenged. I want to be. I want to have to really think hard uh, and 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 someone to actually actually go there and break me and make me do that. All right, here's one real quick. Okay, do I have time, Benny? I have time. Okay. Melvin Gordon should not be next year. Too many costly fumbles in key situations. Stoke, tell me why I'm wrong. Wait, Melvin Gordon should not be back should next year. Should not be back. Uh, you're wrong because it was a nice one-two punch between those guys. Let's continue to keep um, Javante Williams healthy and um, take back his workload. We, we don't want to overextend running backs. Mike, I mean, we talked about it yesterday when we were talking about possibility of Christian McCaffrey being traded. We don't want we don't want the wear and tear on our young superstar running back. They make they make a nice pair, and they both seem really content with with you know sharing carries. Javante Williams is not a me me guy. And I think it worked out. He did it in college. Let's continue to do that. And mm. uh, besides that fumble by Melvin Gordon, that last game, which wasn't his fault, by the way. I mean, Albert O, we're blocking down. We all got to block down. We can't leave a free runner. That's on That's on those guys over there. Uh, it was a nice one-two punch there. Melvin Gordon had a solid season this year, so let's continue that. Nah, I got to say you're wrong. No. What? Yeah, because – because the running backs. Are you not entertained? Running backs. They're they're a dime a dozen. You can find you can find a, a good young running back in the in the third or fourth round that you can you can. I, yeah, you don't know who that guy's going to be. You don't know if he's going to be a good compliment. Yeah, Did you, you think it was they, they complimented it was each other? Good, well? It was a good compliment. Okay, but, they, let's keep that but, going, Mike. But why why do you want to overpay? Which you would be overpaying even if you got him at a pay cut. You're, you're going to get him at a pay cut, yeah, but you're still going to be overpaying for him. Uh, compared to what you would be able to get with a with a young player that you can can groom. Well, we don't know what he's going to be though. There's an unknown there. Let's just keep let's just keep going down the path of the known, Mike. Okay. You do not admit defeat there. No, absolutely not. Right. I felt great about my stance there. Okay. All right. Yes. Sorry. Still looking for one. Yep. All right. George Carl will join us coming up next. Plus, I'm, I, we will get one. I promise you. I promise you. Between now and nine, we'll get one. Next, Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan.
Hello, this is Ryan Watson, Vice President and General Manager of Audi Flatirons and Audi Boulder Service. When was the last time a dealership delivered the experience you were looking for? Have you ever felt that buying a car was solely about making the sale? It should be about the relationship, beginning with your commitment to do business with us and continuing through the years to follow. Our team is dedicated to exceeding your expectations from the first mile to the last. Come see us in person or visit us online at AudiFlatirons.com or AudiBoulderService.com.